Hello, and welcome to the Eyes Are Amber podcast series. I'm your host, Alana Margulies Snyderman, and with me today is Daniel Pederet Hernandez, founder and managing partner at DPH Capital, a Miami-based global long-short equity fund. Today, Daniel will share with us his outlook for global long-short equity investing, including the greatest opportunities and challenges. He will also share how his firm integrates ESG, DEI, and more. Hi, Daniel. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thanks for having me, Alana. Absolutely. So to kick off the conversation, tell us a little about the firm and how you got to where you are today. Sure, sure. So in terms of a little bit of background, I'm originally from, from Caracas, Venezuela. I, I moved, I uh, migrated here to the U.S. with my family at age 14, really escaping the oppressive regime of Hugo Chavez at the time. And uh, I started my career on the Goldman Sachs trading floor in New York during the summer of 08. So that was an interesting time to start out, which I think kind of molded me into having that risk management kind of priority focus from, from an early start. Uh, so posterior to Goldman, I have worked at hedge funds for the last decade plus, uh, covering both developed markets and emerging markets. So I, I launched DPH Capital in early 2022 after 15 years in the industry, combining a broad set of experiences to develop my own um, investment strategy and refine my own investment processes that led me to, to the launch. DPH Capital is, is a long short equities fund that capitalizes on certain recurring market inefficiencies through discipline, fundamental value analysis, and a deeply contrarian approach to investing both globally and across industries. The strategy has a meaningful allocation to Latin American equities as one of its key differentiating factors to other global managers, and the fund's GP is 100% minority owner managed. Great, Daniel. So given your focus on global long-short equity investing, love to hear your overall outlook for the space. Sure. So I, I find it super interesting. You know, I didn't time it, uh, I, it in terms of me launching the fund last year, but I feel like uh, it is, it is, it's actually a space that is going through a transition and, and very favorable one at that, you know, long short has been out of favor for many years due to, well, it was a runaway bull market that kind of was boosted by interest rates set at zero, right? And shorting anything was destructive to returns for a long time. And therefore many allocators got, you know, kind of gave up on it, uh, on the, on the space, but in this new paradigm of, of non-zero rates, I see long short is making a big comeback because there's a more clear differentiation of, of business winners and losers as companies must now actually compete for capital and generate returns on that capital. Uh, however, you know, as, as we look forward, I, I believe it is safe to say that the era of, of zero and negative interest rates is categorically over. So this means that that rising tide uh, that lifted all boats for the last decade plus, championing passive indexing and levered long beta investing seems likely to have reverted to a more normalized environment where business models matter again. And this makes it possible again to create alpha on both longs and short investments, which makes the long short space a lot more interesting to savvy investors to rotate back into, I believe. And Daniel, more specifically in your space, what are some of the greatest opportunities you see and why? Sure. Interesting enough, you know, so we, we do cover a lot of ground being a global strategy. Uh, as I mentioned, 
we have a meaningful allocation to Latin American equities, just giving my expertise in those. And it just so happened that I believe like currently the, the region of the world that where I see the most opportunity is Latin American. I believe Latin American equities provide some really attractive opportunities right now because from a macro perspective, these economies uh, were actually earlier uh, than the developed markets in rising rates to combat inflation. So now they'll be earlier as well in lowering rates and therefore boosting equity returns. Um, also more structurally, it has been my experience that these are less followed markets, less efficient and more volatile. All, you know, and all this really lends itself for more, more alpha to be captured. Uh, so I would highlight really quickly just two specific countries in Latin that I think uh, look attractive in both in terms of uh, opportunities today. It will be the two largest economies in Latam actually. So uh, Mexico, uh, the number two economy in Latam, I think it, it's a huge beneficiary of the near near shoring impulse by U.S. companies that are bringing supply chains closer to home. Uh, Mexico is, is our next door neighbor uh, with already solid trade agreements already in place and a very economic and educated labor force available. So you might have you know, read in, in the newspapers recently that Mexico has recently overtaken China as, as the U.S. Uh, number one trade partner. So this uh, near-shoring trend is not just some theory. It is happening, and we're still very in the early innings still. So I believe that that's a, that's a huge trend to watch and an opportunity for the country. And then secondly, Brazil, Latam's largest uh, economy uh, has near the highest real interest rates in the whole world, you know, with a policy rate still above 13%, yet inflation has already plummeted to down to 3%. So that means the, the Brazilian central bank has plenty of room to cut rates, stimulate the economy, yet not hurt the currency, given kind of that uh, high real rate differential cushion that it has to work with. I also think that after a tumultuous change in the country's presidency early this year, the market is starting to feel more comfortable that there are checks and balances in the political system to prevent any drastic changes on the economic side or any specific sector regulation. So this should really bring a reduction in the Brazilian equities risk premium, leading to a re-rating from a rather depressed valuation levels currently. So those are two examples of kind of what I'm seeing opportunities in the region right now. Daniel, on the other hand, what are some of the greatest challenges you face in your investing space? Sure, sure. So on the opposite end, I would point to China. I am concerned about China. It definitely faces some difficult uh, demographics with its population already net declining in 2022 for the first time. It also faces uh, an overbuilt property market that used to be the economic growth driver for many years. Uh, and you know, as I mentioned, when, when talking about Mexico just now, the near-shoring or deglobalization trend will continue to hurt China as this will be a multi-year repositioning by global corporates. So I think at the same time, China seems to be tightening regulatory pressures across several industries, scaring away some capital, uh, not to mention the geopolitical risk with the situation with Taiwan uh, that could be so, you know, so uncertain. So overall, I think China faces many headwinds that uh, will be hard to reverse. Uh, I like expressing this view mostly through shorting certain commodities that China's demand, you know, concentration uh, and demand contraction will affect the most. Daniel, to shift gears a little bit, wanted to discuss ESG, DEI, 
which are top of mind for the investment industry right now, and would highly welcome your thoughts of how your firm is integrating these important topics. Absolutely. I think it's, it's a very important topic. You know, um, a figure uh, that uh, not a lot of people know is, is, is the percentage of assets that are managed by, by minorities uh, and women. Uh, in the industry, you know, and that according to the Knight Foundation studies, that's out of out of the, the entire assets under management in the U.S. Uh, being managed by either minorities or women, uh, it's only 1.4% uh, of all the of all the assets, you know. So there's, I think, there's a lot to work to do. I think it all starts with with more kind of um, you know acknowledging and 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 knowing about it, you know. So in terms of you know at the company structural level. You know, DPH Capital is 100% minority owned and managed. And furthermore, diversity is, is a vital aspect of our team building planification for the future and an integral part of, of our core values. Uh, as for ESG, you know, despite DPH Capital not marketing itself as, as an ESG fund or an impact fund, there's no doubt that ESG is, is deeply integrated into our company research process. And ESG considerations can often be a key driver in our investment decision making. That is because even without having an ESG mandate per se, higher ESG global awareness is an inescapable fact. And it impacts certain companies and industries in meaningful ways, uh, strictly economically speaking, which therefore renders the study of ESG as a critical factor in our investment analysis process. Daniel, we've covered a lot of ground today and wanted to see if you have any final thoughts you'd like to share with us. Sure. So, so the fund officially launched in May of 2022 and, and the first year of, of DPH was, was all about focusing on the portfolio construction and, and ensure as much as possible that the first year track record got off to a strong start, which I'm pleased to say you know, we've, we've certainly accomplished. So now this, this second year of operations for DPH is partly about making a more concentrated effort on, on sharing the investment opportunity and opening up uh, to welcome new investors and always focus on bringing in only high quality long-term LPs that are aligned with our investment strategy. Uh, along with that, we're also focused on growing our team and, and strengthening our resources to boost our alpha generation, generation as well. So uh, a lot of exciting stuff uh, going on and, and you know, there's definitely uh, a lot to look forward to. Daniel, I want to thank you so much for sharing your perspective with our listeners. Thank you so much, Elena. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for listening to the Eisner Amper podcast series. Visit EisnerAmper.com for more information on this and a host of other topics. And join us for our next Eisner Amper podcast when we get down to business.